Hey marketers, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. I'm Gail Breton, one of the hosts of the show and actually the only host available today because if you didn't know, Mark recently got married, so he left me alone for months to go on his honeymoon, which is great because I get to decide absolutely everything in the company without debating with him, which makes me quite curious of whether he's going to cry of happiness or despair when he sees what I've done with the business we've built over the last 10 years together. But let's be honest for a second, Mark never cried anyway. Anyway, because he's gone, I've decided to invite some of my marketer friends to host the podcast with me in true authority hacker fashion. So in the next few weeks, I'll get a different co-host every week. In this week's podcast, I am with Matthew Woodward, who is the inspiration behind the authority hacker concept. I've always liked his honesty, his brutally honest review, and his practical approach to online marketing. And in this episode, we get to talk about a lot of stuff. And if I'm honest, it went for a lot longer than I expected, but it's full of nuggets that I'm sure you will appreciate. For those of you who want practical stuff that you can just take and apply to your site, we talk about site structure tips, we talk about redesigning an aging website, and we talk about how to put together in-depth product reviews. And on the higher level side of things, there's a lot of discussions about leveling up from basic affiliate marketing to becoming a full stack marketer building real businesses. I hope you enjoyed this one, and I'll see you next week with another co-host. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. No hype, no BS, no censorship. Just real life online marketing tactics. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey guys, welcome to this episode. Today we are welcoming Matthew Woodward. He's actually the guy that gave me the idea to start Authority Hacker. He was doing very actionable stuff on the gray hat side of things. I kind of wanted to do the same thing on the white hat side of things, but with that gray hat mentality. So, you know, I shamelessly say that Matthew is the guy that inspired us to start Authority Hacker. So Matthew, thank you for coming. It's really cool to have you. You're in Costa Rica, I'm in Hungary, so I'm a bit jealous of the weather you probably have over there. It's like... <laughs> I actually didn't know that that's why you started Authority Hacker. I'm, I'm very flattered and, uh, you know, I've been a reader of yours since very early on as well. So that's, that's a very mutual respect. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like I remember your, your tiered link building tutorials. I remember you, these videos when you started. And I was like, oh, that's great. Like finally someone that talks about actionable stuff. Because like, it's like if you followed the White House stuff, it was like basically Mars at the time. It was like oh, you should do great content and like people will link to you, etc. It's like, it wasn't like, oh, how do I do this stuff? Which honestly has changed a lot. Like a lot of people talk about more actionable stuff now. I feel like things have evolved, like even Brian Dean, etc. have brought a lot more actionable stuff to the table. But at the time it was a bit of a gap. So yeah, we started doing that and um, that worked pretty well. So we are definitely the guys who inspired us. I was like... <laughs> the great irony is the, the, the reason I created the tiered link building tutorials was because of all that crap that was just on Mars. Like create great content. It's actually... Yeah. Matt Cutts, like, just create great content. Don't worry about links. I was like, okay, let's see how that works out. So I did a link building tutorial doing that. And uh, it yeah, great irony. <laughs> it was an experiment that much to kind of my annoyance and my pleasure uh, was a great success <laughs> because yeah. I, I didn't really want to prove Matt Cutts right. <laughs> but that's, the thing is like, I think online marketing is a, is a bit of a different niche to some aspect. Like it's small enough to like, so you get known and people talk and there's a lot of like yeah. real life events, et cetera. So it's like, I think there's two things. There's the people who only do on, who are only working on like marketing that think that this will work in every niche. And there's also the fact that the fact that it's a, just the right size of niche where you can actually get links from like connections, yeah. et cetera. But if you're in like really large B2C niches, like just by like world of mouth is just not enough. Like you cannot compete against Mayo Clinic, but with world of mouth or something. Yeah, like, it's, not, that's true. it's not happening. I think it's like, it's, it is interesting, but I think a lot of like, 
online marketing people just kind of like are disconnected from that reality from people who work in larger B2C niches. Yeah, I say, but like you definitely address that in your content as well. But like a lot of people don't and it's, it's, it's tricky. So people like Matt Kurtz, Rens Fishkin, et cetera, were the people that would defend that vision of things where it would not necessarily be applicable a lot of it comes through, you know, I find a lot of people in SEO lack business acumen, marketing knowledge, general sales knowledge, you know, they got into SEO from SEO, whereas a lot of the, the, the more experienced and successful people came into SEO after they had some kind of business level experience, whether it was corporate or some kind of, you know, so I think often the way that we interpret that advice also depends on what background we've come from. Some people are biased and don't want to hear that because they've labeled themselves as a black hat SEO. And equally when people read something about black hat and they've labeled themselves as a white hat SEO, they're ignorant of that as well. Like Google's an algorithm. It's looking for certain metrics to go in and then certain results come out. And that's a process we can observe putting any hat on it, any black hat or white hat on it is just a fine example of human stupidity as its finest. And I need to imprint ego and psyche into it. So, uh, you know, a lot of that advice is, it depends what side of the fence you've decided you're on. I'm on the side of the fence of, of, of what works in those labels. And the blog was, actually, Authority Hacker as well in itself is a great example of what happens when you create great content and forget about link building. Um, I think both of us. We actually do link building. <laughs> yeah, but have you always done link building? No, there's a bit, it's been on and off, but the, it's like at the beginning, there was a bit of an effort on building. You know how I got Atari Hacker off the ground, actually? It's like I would have the RSS feed over all the big blogs, including yours, actually. Mm-hmm. And every time they would publish something, I would literally be the first comment in there so that I could like leak some traffic from the comments. And stuff <laughs> uh, you know, so and, that, like... and that's how I started as well, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, I didn't start my SEO blog with SEO and people were then coming to your site and seeing your great content. It's a great content that allowed Authority Hacker to grow. It's a great content that allowed my SEO blog to grow, much to my annoyance. (laughs) And, you know, so when people say, oh, just publish high quality content and don't worry about the rest, there is a certain element to that, but that's stepping away from SEO and more into sales and marketing, relationship building. And that's when when you start building a real business as opposed to an affiliate site. I agree. Yeah. We talk a lot about that, actually. Like, we try to bring yeah. people who actually like, step outside of like, building a basic affiliate. I think it's still a great yeah. way to start, but I think it's a good thing to have a vision past mm-hmm. that business model. It's kind of like the way we try to grow our size. That's why we have, these, like, we have three stages. We have stage one, which is basically a basic affiliate site. Stage two, which is like start building audiences, build an email list, yep. monetize with affiliates, start building a social following, do all of that. And like, you can even trade like shout outs on social for links, et cetera, to kind of yep. like grow your yep. yeah, SEO mm-hmm. and so on. And then stage three, which is essentially owning the offer, owning the products, not being an affiliate, but rather just like expanding your margins through duplicating what has worked for you as an affiliate. Uh, you could add stage four, be the network. And then you, yeah, get, a slice, then you get a slice of all your competitors' commissions as well. <laughs> you can do that. You can copy that. That can work. I haven't been to that stage yet. Usually we only offer, but we don't, we don't have the network yet. But we have affiliate programs for like the, the products we own, and that works pretty well for us. Talking about that, talking about business model, can you explain to people what you do, how much of your business is matureworld.co.uk, what yep. else you do, et cetera, et cetera? Okay, so I had a baby like a year and a few months ago in October 2018 uh, to check it's 2020 now <laughs> yeah. so that's 
been presenting new challenges in life and, and taking me away from a, a lot of things. Luckily, the year before, I'd offloaded a lot of my sites and um, actually went to a mastermind in, in London. And, and, and there I was like, well, I feel like I've achieved all of my personal goals. Money's not a worry anymore. I've got location free. Like, I, I didn't really know what direction I, I, to go. You know, I felt I didn't have a completely clean slate, but more enough, I'd freed up 80% of my time and a lot of the site, a lot of the sites were gone. So I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So over the last kind of year and four months in between juggling baby and, and daddy duties, uh, rebuilding without giving it away, a lot of people just build Amazon sites. And one of the questions I love to ask people that build Amazon sites is what value does your site present over and above me going to Amazon directly and reading verified reviews like what what do you do what value do you add above that experience so i build sites that still use amazon but build on that experience to to add additional value that most amazon affiliates aren't really doing so i've been building out lots of new sites in 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 that area mostly based in ethical movements or movements of people groups of people that have very strong beliefs as well as on the Matthew Woodward blog, that's undergone a bit of a renovation. I changed it from being less of a blog and more of a site. I wanted okay. it to be more of a, a resource rather than just, well, I never really started a blog with a plan. It, 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 like, like it was an experiment that went well and continued to grow. And, you know, I, I tried to give it a bit of a bit of a shuffle in some direction last year we've got the search logistics agency I'm building a couple of nice tools that well polishing up for public release that should really help people out when it comes to link prospecting finding link opportunities finding contact details I've been I've been playing close attention to the niche edits <laughs> okay. this, this so, past so and everything that's going on yeah. i'm going to release a tool that actually helps people detect if they've had niche edits niche edits interesting. on their site so i should have the first version of that tomorrow nice uh, so it's gonna be out by the time the podcast comes out actually so probably you never know how testing goes and, and all the other things it's, it's not that simple of a thing to achieve but I think we got it. I think we got the process down. Man, the manual process works out. It's can we automate it now and, and scan sites and, and, and find that. Uh, so I'll give that away. And yeah, I, I mean, I'm just busy all of the time, you know. Sounds like a lot of stuff already. <laughs> many, many, many things. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah I'm starting a bunch of, I'm retired, but I start a bunch of sites. I work on my blog. I do all of that. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it sounds simple, but, you know, supporting all that. There's multiple writers. There's a link building team. There's yep. everything it, between all of that. It's a lot. But it's, it's, I love doing it. So. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I think, I think you get bored otherwise. Like it's, it's like, I, yeah, I, I did. Least... I did. And I literally stood at the mastermind. Like I felt like I've achieved everything I want to achieve. What do I do? I, I went there feeling lost almost. Like I don't really know what to do. And, and the, you know, the, the general advice that was given to me was, well, stop focusing on what's about you and elevate the people around you. Um, okay. That's what I've been doing. You'll probably see a lot of that come across a blog the next the next year or so, pivotally, I decided Matt Diggity posted a status that really resonated with me um, a few days ago saying that he was going to write less for keywords and more about his passion. Yeah. And that's a trap that I fell into last year in an effort to build out kind of like a static beginner's resource of SEO, everything you need to know from what is SEO all the way through to link building, like and everything in between that. That's what I tried to build. And But I was writing for keywords 
more than people. Whereas the success of my blog came from, you know, writing about the passion and what solving people's problems and, and, and everything like that. And I felt like I stepped away from that. And I think, I think Mr. Diggity as well. Um, yeah. I mean, we did that too, to be honest, uh, on the yeah. Daily Hacker. Uh, I mean, we've done that too, but I think we've always been conscious that if we just become some generic blog, it's just going to like, nobody's going to care. And to be frank, even the post when we put a lot of care, I just feel the pure blog format on its own. I believe is fading away, like mm-hmm. just pure, pure yep. written text content. Yep. I, I, it's like, even if you look at people that are really good at content marketing, even if you look at like Brandine, for example, mm-hmm. Brandine really is a big guy today. It doesn't make nearly as much as a splash as it used to four or five years ago. And my belief is that, I mean, for us, like, as I said, we talked about online marketing. It's kind of like a, a micro community and you need to like captivate people to like get attention. And it's like, the, the blog format is actually slowly fading away to become a support source of traffic rather than yes. the main source of traffic. And I think for a lot of niches, it works that way as well, even for things like product reviews. Like it's like, if you look at someone like MKBHD on YouTube, for example, this guy is the guy that's fucking killing you with reviews. It's not mm-hmm. people who write, it's not even uh, expert reviews or like uh, trusted reviews. Like I'm seeing about these big tech review sites, for example. And so it's almost like SEO comes later. You just create content that's interesting and then you mm-hmm. kind of mash up that content into SEO pages that you don't necessarily advertise as much or you just quickly post them on your social profiles, etc. Yeah. You advertise your new video, you advertise your new podcast, you maybe like do that kind of stuff. And then from that, let's say I you know, did very in-depth review, like you do in-depth reviews for tools, for example, and from that, maybe I'll do a best roundup post yep. that I don't push as hard, but it's here for SEO purposes. So it's kind yes, of like of course. the way yep. I'm looking at it. And you know who does that really well? Ahrefs. Uh, mm-hmm. Ahrefs basically uses their YouTube channel to engage mm-hmm. their audience. And then their blog, they don't even promote it that much. Like you don't really no. get promoted their blockers, but look at them on look at them on Ahrefs actually. Look at their rankings. I and think Ahrefs suffered from the um, the same issue that we have that we stopped writing for the people and we started writing for the keywords recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but like before, they, when, they, before, they, they when they I opened an Ahrefs post, I was like, "Whoa, hooked top to bottom." Now I'm like, I think it's, <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's the end of the. I think it's the end of the blog. Like people watch YouTube. Videos I think I think it is the end stuff. of the traditional blog, but not because it's the end of the blog, but it's the start of building a real business. It's something it's just, that people have been lacking for a long time, and now you got to get away from the fact that you're building a blog or a site. You're not doing either of those things. You're building a business, and that's a very different shift in, in, in mindset. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it, it, cha- it even changes how you approach SEO. For example, when you build a business, you're worried about a GMB profile. If you build a blog, you're not. You know, yeah. So it completely changes your approach to SEO when you build a business rather than building an affiliate site. And I think that's more yeah. where we're seeing the, the change because now we're seeing big money into come we've got big media companies coming in yep. and they're taking their their business tried and tested business models and now adapting them for the web and then they're crushing the little guys that still aren't building building businesses i mean for um, the thing, for the product reviews definitely like product reviews are becoming extremely competitive right now especially yep. with for the large b2c markets like you yep. like the big companies probably already took like 30 or 40 percent of subs at this point for like the big ones, like if you go look for blenders or like baby products, or yep. like, um, yeah. I'm talking large, large B2C markets, then, then yes. But like I see a blog more as a collection of landing pages for SEO rather than a way to engage an audience at this point. Really? And you engage your audience with Instagram stories, YouTube videos, social media posts, 
podcasts like this one, et cetera, like the, the more like casual content where you can actually open up a bit more and like express a bit more of your personality that you can't really do through writing. So a blog post is very interesting when you're searching for something. It's great. Yeah. Like you're looking for this. There's a really in-depth resource and you find value into that. But people spending hours reading blog posts, I just don't see as much anymore as I used to. No, not unless they're trying to learn something. Yeah, it's like, but like usually it's a short period, right? It's, it's kind yeah. of like that, that high heat period when you like get into something and you want to read a lot about it. So like I've been yeah. reading a lot about photography recently, but to be honest, I don't expect to read as much in a year than I would read right now. And then, and then once I caught up, then I'll probably be consuming, I'll be subscribing to YouTube channels, maybe following some people on social media, et cetera. And not as much like learning about like what is Aperture, what is ISO, et cetera, like how to set yeah. that up and so on. And uh, once you've captured that basic knowledge that requires in-depth guides, then I think you, you would rather snackable content than like a 10,000 words blog post just for entertainment. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, there's other reasons we've moved away from long form content as well. Yep. And that's because Google's now looking to return relevance. You know, long form content used to be king. I think both of us probably have posts that exceed 15,000 <laughs> words. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, I think my longest one's 32,000. And, you know, that rarely does content of that length answer a query specifically. I think anyone that was into 10 times in content and things like that are paying a price now as opposed to people who didn't put as much effort in that are more specific in, in how they answer a query. Um, now we build hubs, basically. Now we we focus on planning a hub of like, you know, 20 pages or something that all kind of like interlink to each other, are related, mm -hmm. like whatever subtopics are mentioned. And these pages gonna, are going to be usually between a thousand and let's say max 3,000 words, I would say. Yeah. Around yeah. That. In, in, um, so instead of doing it as one previous like ultimate guide like you would have done before, a portal page, bring it all together. and, and, and I have a few out. still in edits on Atari Hacker. It's like I'm, I'm just like really lazy to actually finish editing them right now because I really don't work. <laughs> but but uh, there's still some cool data posts that I need to post. I'll post them. But like to be frank, yeah, I say I, I, mean, I, I just... there are times when it's right. That's the right type of content to, to, to publish. But in general now, yep, not anymore. more specific and get to the point. I mean, the thing is like uh, long content really evolved, right? It's like at some point, 2000 words was long content. Now we just consider it normal. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so you got, you, at some point, like at the Wicked Fire times, like a thousand words was, a lo was long content. And people were like, oh my God, you're writing a thousand words. It's like an authority <laughs> yeah. article, et cetera. Now it's considered a short article. Yeah. And, you know, a, a good example is like if you search for like best product, like yeah. if the very first thing at the top of your article isn't a product table, you're not only just losing money, but you, you're stepping away from intent. Yeah. Whereas before you wouldn't have wanted your product table put at the top because you want to introduce some content, make sure you have some keywords. So, you know, that's, that's a big change just in how you structure a page as well. And the thing is like, it, it kind of like fucks old sites because I don't, I'm sure you, you had that as well. Like where you have pages that used to rank really well and then now it's just not the intent of the SERPs anymore and yep. your content goes up yep. and just completely yep. goes down. It's actually a debate I wanted to have with you. Basically, there's kind of like two ways of building a site at this point. There's like, you can build a site with lots of pages, but then you don't have uh -huh. that many resources to like keep them up to date and like keep competing with the people who are ranking and like monitoring it and adapting. Or you can build a site with few pages and then you can have a lot of resources left to keep updating it, kind of like keep fighting for that top three, et cetera, et cetera. What's your take on this? It really depends niche to niche. There's never a single truth in SEO digital yeah, yeah. marketing or, or affiliate. And many people are often looking for that single truth and it, it just doesn't exist. There isn't a single truth. So if I'm going into any niche, the first thing I want to know is who are my competitors? Like 
if there's a bunch of sites that have tons of content and really high-end production, I'm probably not going <laughs> to try and play too much. But if you see a site, if you see site a, a site ranking where it does have a small amount of pages, and you know, just what is ranking? That's what you need to build. Google's algorithm, you know, when you do the search results, that's an output of the algorithm. So what is ranking? You know, going back to ten times in your content, you know, there's no point writing ten thousand words if everything that's ranking on the first page is five hundred words. Like, and the same thing. We say that niches, now, but like five years ago, people would have said, "Oh no, you need to outdo your competitor and write longer content." Of, of, of course, yeah, of course. But that's you know that's how things evolve. Yeah. And it's always been that case. What works then is often what what trips you. But what has never failed in all of these time and all of the algorithms since Google existed is the power of observation. That's never failed. And that's current, it's live, it's real time. And it's very, very much underused because we've all got tools like Ahrefs and you know, big data and automation and, and, and all of that. You know, but we've also got a web browser and Google, which actually tells you what they're looking for. You don't need to do any research. You just need to type the queries into Google and Google tells you what they're looking for and then do that. Then flesh it out with data from different places. But, you know, just that raw power of observation, you know, should I have a few pages with lots of content or lots of pages with not much content? Well, depends on the niche. What are you competing against? You know, are you competing against 5,000 page monsters or are you competing against, you know, 300 word quick answers is it are you competing against list posts or are you competing against reviews or what what is the current challenges and that varies not only not only does that vary niche to niche it can actually vary like within the different verticals of that niche like there isn't there isn't a single truth there just isn't the the single truth exists here with your eyes your brain the observation and google telling you what's quite interesting give it to them it's uh, we did a prediction podcast and we got a bunch of people to like submit their predictions. And uh, Glenn from uh, detail.com, gaps.com, etc., said that uh, he expects that there will be multiple blocks of intents within sing- the same serve from next year. Most likely, what's going to happen is you're not going to be competing against like 10 list posts, but there's going to be a block of list posts, a block of maybe reviews or something. Yeah. And then you essentially will have like two or three spots that you can compete against based on what format your page is like following, yeah. basically. So it's actually narrowing down even more. I, I could see that, yeah. actually. It's of like course. even Google, you know, it's like a, I definitely tweeted a lot of, uh, of shit at them for like killing <laughs> diversity in subs. And since the Medic update, basically you'd get 10 times the same thing, like ranking on the subs at mm-hmm. this point. And they did reply with like, yeah, we want to increase diversity in subs. So I could imagine them just doing that, just picking, identifying the different types of formats and essentially doing that. So it might actually happen, which then yeah. it's not even going to be looking at like the top 10 results, going to be looking at these two results that match what you do. You don't really need to look at the top 10. The top three will tell you everything that you need. The top 10 is just like, if you're like really nerding out, yeah, you know, <laughs> the top three will give you the 80% to make. The Which team. is why I think we need to both petition surface here to stop giving us top 50 rankings results because we don't care. <laughs> they should just limit us from from the get go. <laughs> That's the truth, right? It's like they average the top the top like by ten results, so you get the average of the top ten, and then the average of like the ten to twenty and twenty to thirty, yep. etc. Nobody cares about these graphs. No, no, no. <laughs> so please tell them, please tell them as well. I've, I've been I've been lobbying for that for them to change that to just put the audit in front end and then put the stats in background. But uh... okay, no problem. <laughs> <Let them know. laughs> yeah. They're like, yeah, that, that I use stuff a lot. I know you use it as well. I saw you did the reviews well recently. It's, it's yeah. basically like to do that. But I think there's a risk of people, one, not using their critical sense using these kind of tools. 
especially Surfer, on one end, it's like one thing that I'm not a huge fan of is the true density. You know, they give you the range of what your competitors have. So yeah, yeah, yeah. like five to 12, and they'd be like, yeah. you should have it 18 times or something. Yeah. And, and, and very often they, they, they recommend keyword density that's like a little bit dangerous to my, to my taste. One of the crossover issues I think that Surfer SEO could improve upon is separating body content from comments. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're pretty bad at this. Because a lot of my posts have more than a thousand comments on them. Yep. To the point where they make up now make up 90% of the page content. And that's a tricky problem to deal with. On one hand, you've got Google saying that that adds social proof and they do include that as part of their page scoring. On the other hand, they also include all of that content in their indexing and how they evaluate the quality of your content. So... It's a tricky one to deal with. And especially when you're looking across search results, like you, you probably often find that many of the top ranking things have zero comments, even if they have the ability to place a comment. So it would be nice if Surfer introduced a way to, to separate that out. And, you know, it's e easy to target the content body. It's quite easy, actually. It's like yeah. we actually did it. So, you know, we did these data studies last year where we like calculated average number of votes per top ranking pages, etc. So we actually had to look into that problem. And uh, Firefox has this readability mode where it just removes navigation and everything so you can just read the article. And this has an API. They could literally use that and ah, yeah. all of them. That was the most accurate, actually. So uh, cool. yeah, I'm a bit surprised, actually. It's a problem I had to solve with the, um, the niche edit checker tool. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, because obviously adding a comment adds a link and we don't want that to flag up as a niche edit. So we, we have to you do can, that. Uh, you can Quite easy to do with some fuzzy matching in CSS. Yeah, yeah it's, but it's we're getting a bit too nerdy. All right, let's go back, let's go back to, the, to the proper stuff. Let me check my notes actually. Oh uh, yeah, I wanted to go through your site redesign process because I think you did like, I think you did a lot of thinking before you redesigned your site on Matthew Woodward. I think it shows. By the way you're like segmenting things and the way you're placing your call to actions, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like a, an overall theme I wanted to talk about with you. It's kind of like as your site gets older, like how do you overcome the challenges, which is like updating content, all of that, et cetera. And one of them is the rebranding, redesign kind of thing that you yes. kind of need to do every like three to six years, I would say, because it just yes. gets old and everything. So I wanted to know like how you went about that, why you did it, and kind of like what you learned through the process, basically. Okay. Well, I'll pull some actual numbers up as I'm talking. So I've always been relatively connected to the audience of the blog through comments and, and so on. And one of the common complaints that I got was that, yeah, I had lots of content on the blog. And before it was just a blog, just a list of posts, right? It wasn't particularly categorized well or tagged well. Like I say, it's an experiment. I never planned it. It, it just went, you, you could learn about blogging and you could learn about SEO in the same category, you know? It made separating out the information very, very difficult and WordPress search, as you know, sucks and uh, never returns any real relevant results. So like the opposite of Google. <laughs> and then that was a sticking problem. It was a continuous problem. And the only way I thought I could fix that was to improve the user journey. A blog in itself is essentially selfish by nature. It's just like, here's what I've written in the order I've written it. It's not really focused on connecting a person's problem to a solution. So the entire kind of thinking behind the, the new design was how quickly can I connect someone's problem to a solution? 
So then I looked at all of the content I had and I was like, okay, well, what are all the problems people trying to solve when they reach this content? And from that, I was like, okay, well, we've got to do the homepage. We've got to do an SEO portal. We've got to do a blogging portal. And the one that really tripped me up was the work portal. Now, I have a lot of content. I literally rank for like, or used to, make money online, uh-huh. um, which is not really a term you want to rank for, by the way. <laughs> but I have lots of content like how to make your first dollar on Fiverr. One, one I saw of, on Elance as well, you have that. Okay. Yeah. And that, all of that type of content, I feel like is hurting me, hosting yep. all of them. So I was like, well, what portal am I going to put that in? I can't put it in make money. Maybe I can put it in hustle that sounds a bit spammy but i really hate the when people sell the dream that you can make a bunch of money without doing any work and all the rest of it so i was like okay i'm going to call it the work portal because work means you've got to actually fucking do something yeah you got to do something (laughs) so that's why it's called the work portal which i i'm probably going to cut and just delete all of that content Mm -hmm. yeah i see you're getting quite broad there you have like productivity tool and virtual assistant tools yeah it's it's gmail tricks and like edges yeah and like you say, how do you, how do you keep over time that content kind of built up for a period of time? I accepted guest posts. That was a mistake, yeah. you know, yeah. by accepting guest posts, I, I really lost control. I get a lot of emails. You know, it was a mistake on my part to allow it. And it's my audience that paid the price for my mistake mm-hmm. ultimately. So, you know, we put an end to that. I deleted a lot of content reorganized shuffled it all and it's still a long way to go but that was kind of the the thought process behind the redesign i wanted to make it less of a blog that was just me 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 and more about a site that helps people solve their problems because Mm -hmm. the content existed to do that but it wasn't structured that way and also the old content just becomes hard to find on the blog in general like it's unless you like feature it on the sidebar or something like that like it's yeah it's it's diesel search right yeah, uh, which kind of sucks. Like sometimes, like your best posts are like some older ones, rather. Yeah, yeah, like page ten. You know, yeah. <laughs> That's why I decided to to redesign it. I had a reader survey, a bunch of feedback, and I just I just tried to address as much as that feedback as possible with the that structure and and those pages. What kind of questions did you ask to people like in the survey? Like, um, like two or three important ones. So there's actually. Let me just check that it. I did actually. Publish. You emailed your list, right? You just emailed your email list for that. Yeah. There's actually a link that explains the changes that I'm that I made. So I was asking people questions like, okay, what do you want to learn about? It's the very basics. What do you want like what do you want to learn about? Most of my audience wants to learn about SEO and link building. It was like 70% want to learn about that, 40% want to learn about blogging, 35% want to learn about make money online. Hence SEO blogging and the work yeah, that's what the Makes audience sense. wanted. That's what they got. Um, then it was, how do you want to learn? People want to learn via image or text mostly and then video. My audience were not interested in a podcast. It was like 2% of the people were interested in a podcast. I'm not surprised. Even a lot of people who follow us don't listen to a podcast. So yeah, it's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Podcast is like you love it or you hate it. Like some people go crazy about it and some people, like many people don't care. Yeah. You know, questions like that. What's one thing you hate about the blog? What's one thing you love about it? What's one thing I should change immediately? Those questions, those kinds of questions. Mm-hmm. And then once you get all the answers, I did it in SurveyMonkey. And then I just went through the answers and kind of came up with like categories of, of what the answer fell into. It was like design and then hyphen hard to navigate, you know, design hyphen color scheme. <laughs> Lots of yeah. complaints about that. And categorize the answers. And from that, you kind of got a breakdown of, of, of 
what you've got to change. Yeah, great. You know, what's one thing you love about the blog? Great reading the answers to those. Not so great reading. What do you hate about the blog? <laughs> that, that, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Your ego's growing. And then you read those and you're like, oh. <laughs> we get that for our courses, you know, like we spend like months recording and so on. And then people are like, oh, you actually like take this properly or like, some people are like, oh, I, I saw all your sites when you had the browser history pop up when you were typing something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it happens. But at the same time, it's nice to get honest feedback, to be honest. It's rare to be able to have that as well. Like, it, yeah, not everyone can reach that. And that's one good reason to build an email list. A lot of people get lazy AF to build an email list. Uh, I, it's probably one of the best things you can do, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, touch button access to your community with no noise. So what was next after you did the survey? So after the survey, putting it all together gave me a clear direction that I needed to to address navigation and, and things. That was done with the restructure and the portals. That was really it. The blog theme stayed the same except for a new header. We just simplified the header and simplified the navigation. Other than that, not a lot changed. I was also doing various split tests. There used to be mm-hmm. a cartoon me in the header. And oh, I, yeah, split, I, I split tested that and removed that. I also split. Did that really make an impact? The cartoon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I split tested the logo as you see it now, the logo with yeah. the cartoon and the logo with a, a little image of little photo yeah, yeah. of me, and that was a clear winner. But like, uh, what were you testing against? What was the goal? Like opt-ins? It, like engagement, bounce rates, page time on page. Yeah, I see. Yeah, because huh. it's, it's it's one of the first things people see, and if you hit my site on mobile, it's it's it, it's it's big, yeah. Yeah, so um, that's what I was testing against her. So it's it's gone through, you know, since it's launched, it's gone through changes. I'm still not entirely happy with the full structure. I feel like the homepage needs a lot of work. It's too busy. There's too much choice, not enough content. I feel like that's hurting me. Um, I see you added a recent post, actually. Yeah, that I missed, and I, I added it not really in a very nice way uh, <laughs> and it's manual so that sucks well, i do manual on the homepage too like on the homepage yeah. i it's like i i mean i use my homepage to rank posts as well right it's like uh, yeah of course yeah yeah well yeah internal linking's a whole other thing yeah uh, it's, like, it's like yeah it's like my homepage is definitely like a big a big uh it's like i try to pick a mix of like stuff i want people to read and actually what i want to rank or like performs well in terms of conversion yeah of course like of course it's a balance between rankings conversion and, and everything else yeah um but that is actually genuinely the latest post because i do all of that internal linking further down which um, okay. is yeah, yeah i see it in probably gone on the wrong end of the scale on that a bit too heavy i think <laughs> yeah if you put too many links on your homepage, then it dials to a point where it doesn't help that much exactly and i think i'm a victim of that <laughs> yeah i mean to be honest the grass is always greener right it's like uh it's it's sometimes it's like for us i think i could even put more links right i guess it depends how many links you have pointed to your homepage, etc like you can decide well that. you know look, I, I built a blog off the back of matt cut saying forget about seo just create quality yeah, yeah, content yeah, yeah. and focus on helping people and structuring it like that focuses on helping people so um do you feel all of that was worth it like i feel like you spent a lot of time on it like looking back it's been a few months now like how do you feel after the fact it's pivoted me away before i was ranking for a lot of terms i didn't really want to rank for like make money online changing that structure around now i'm ranking for less trafficked keywords but they're the keywords i want to rank for proper seo (laughs) yeah it's helped in, in that respect. And that's why that entire work section's up for review. Because if I track, when the updates come, I, I actually break it down by section. Mm-hmm. 
and I can I can see that that work section continuously gets smashed, whereas the SEO or blogging either doesn't get touched or it raises a little bit, like but the work section is just you know, and and that's because it's stepping into your money or your life kind of. So I think it's like, also because of the links you get, right? You're known in SEO, you get links in SEO. So your site yeah. is deemed relevant in SEO and maybe not as relevant in like freelancing and making money on Fiverr and stuff like that, I guess. Yes, of course, of course. So I'm experimenting with some your money or your life signals to see what see. happens there before I, I, I take the delete decision, but it's definitely up for review. <laughs> Fair I mean, I like that you're honest about it because you know, one thing I hate about people who talk about online marketing is when they win every time they talk. And it's like, no, you uh, don't. It's like, that one wins I'm, every time. Exactly. I'm like, we, we, we've talked many times. I mean, we had sites penalized that we used to share publicly, etc. Yeah. So it's like, people know. But like, it's, thank you for being honest because like, yeah, uh, like not everyone is like that. That's how it is. It's, it's a game we play. Like, you got to roll with the punches. That's how it is. You've always, like, like we said, things that worked five years ago yeah, don't, don't work, work now, you know? And that's the difference between someone who can survive in the SEO world and someone who can't. You've got to be able to pivot, change, learn, and accept, move on, and be honest about it. That's how it is. And yeah. it's not only that, but when your site gets older, essentially you've done things that you did them because they worked at the time, but now they're yes. like the opposite of what works today. Yeah. Um, so it's very easy to yeah. like get caught into this. And in the SEO community, people will quickly point the finger at you with today's standards and be like, oh, why did you do that? You're like, you, it makes no sense, etc. It's like, no, like actually five years ago, that's what made the most sense to do. And it's like, we are suffering that stuff on several sites and you get that as well, which is like, it's oh, normal, as you'll say. And you know what? It's a good problem to have. It means you've lasted, which most people who never, never seen that problem is because they never were able to maintain a site to a profitable level. Yeah, to that long point. enough to reach because that point. Because you know? they didn't build a business, they built a site. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you yeah, got you got to go through like if you've built a business, you don't really care about algorithm updates. Yeah, uh, you get. It, I mean, you get traffic it, from it, multiple it, places it, anyway. It, it has, you know, it has an impact. Of course, it has an impact, but it shouldn't be a challenge to the survivability of your business. It just shouldn't be. And if it is, yeah. then well. Good luck. <laughs> well, you need to diversify your traffic. That's um, that's yeah. one thing I do. Like, I, I spend quite a bit of time on uh, social media and paid traffic these days, actually. Like, I spent a lot of money on paid traffic last year. And, yeah, but uh, it's, it, you know, that's part of a coherent digital marketing strategy. Yeah, SEO is yeah. a small part a traffic of source. digital marketing strategy. But some people look at SEO as the digital marketing strategy. And that's a huge, huge mistake. Yeah, it's and not goes, a business it model, it's to, a traffic source. You know, it goes back to saying, look, people are building sites, not businesses. When yep. you build a business, you, you, every decision you take, you have a different answer to when you build a business versus building a site. It happens very often to us that we give up big keywords and like lose traffic, but like some small keywords have like, you know, five or six times the conversion rate and exactly. are much more valuable to us. And it's like, yeah. it's like, I, I'm not going to give big names, but like in trying my SEO, I had that several times before like, oh, like you're losing traffic here, et cetera. Like, I'm like, sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like when, you, when you're actually tracking your metrics on analytics, et cetera, like a lot of traffic is useless. You realize that from SEO, whatever you see in Ahrefs is, is, is not very relevant. It's relevant if like all your traffic is like roundup reviews. Like yeah. if that's the case, then sure, like it's a good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, as soon as you have a business model that's slightly more complicated, then traffic metrics don't matter nearly as much because you have keywords that convert 10 times more than others. Mm -hmm. And provided you track it properly, then it doesn't matter. Of course. The of next course. topic I want to go through is I've seen you do a lot of updates to your content. And honestly, I find updating content 
one of the most annoying thing to do like as a site owner i don't know how you feel about this but like like i wanted to know how you do that in the most efficient way possible because it's always very tricky i feel i mean there isn't an efficient way to do it because it isn't always the same problem yep. for example a post can be out of date just because a tool deployed a new design right and then all your screenshots are out of date that is relatively easy to fix relatively easy but if there's been a pivotal change you know if if you wrote a tutorial about 10 times in your content the best way to update that delete it <laughs> all right <laughs> so we agree <laughs> um, that's why it sucks and and you know sometimes it's the the how that you do it that's changed sometimes it's mm -hmm. you know the whole things are relevant the you know it really it really depends but luckily i have a lot of engagement in terms of comments and my readers aren't shy of telling me <laughs> we that, so, so, we, so we, we, we make updates you know here's my question though let's imagine your post is out of date and you know it you are ranking number three for the query and making good money do you take the risk to redo the post or do you say you know what i'm gonna hold on a little bit more and when like if the traffic starts going down then i stop touching it it depends do, on do you gamble your on, rankings on. you know depends on what's out of date uh-huh but let's say let me try to take an example let's say if uh, i've got SEO a good example i've got an example semrush okay. semrush okay. review i think we compete on that term as well we don't um, rank because we give a negative review actually oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so we're the only ones giving a negative review we don't measure search intent we don't rank for that review so okay yeah. so semrush review was probably written two years ago uh -huh. it is out of date Okay. They've got new features. They've got new things. The interface they has changed. They release a lot of stuff all the time. The, yeah. the, the process of some things are, have changed. It is out of date, mm -hmm. but it's still relevant. Okay. Because it's teaching you different ways to do things within SEMrush, which you can still do. It's kind of changed a little bit, but if you've got something between your ears, you can figure it out. It's, it's still relevant. That is not a post I'm going to roll a dice on. Okay. It ranks well. It's still relevant, although it's not completely current. Basically, if it's not perfect, but it's not broken, you don't gamble it, provided it's working for you at this point. Like, let's say exactly, like, people still yeah. follow it and buy, and like, you get conversions, you get all of that. Then you're not willing to change that post, but at the point where it becomes so irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. And that's when it, you've either got to take the decision, delete mm -hmm. or update. Yep. Now, if it's reached the point where it's become so irrelevant that you're thinking that, it probably needs updating. <laughs> That's yeah, probably yeah. the right thing to do. That's usually sure when you start dropping rankings. History, yeah. You'll yeah. see that Google's also telling you that you need to update it. Um, yeah. So there's not a one, you know, there's not a single truth in updating your content. You've got to look at each individual piece on its own merit. You might look at a piece of content and be like, well, it doesn't rank for anything out of date it gets zero traffic but it's got 200 backlinks so screw yeah. deleting that i'll just bury redirect. it where no one will ever get to it i would redirect it personally redirect oh, it yeah why not i don't like the redirect because then you <laughs> end up with a bunch of irrelevant links with irrelevant anchor yeah, text coming to whatever you need, page you need you something go to. somewhat relevant but like you know for example yeah. in your case like why wouldn't you redirect it to one of your hubs for example let's say yeah, and, you, and some some posts i have deleted i have redirected to hubs Yes, yeah. I, have, I have done. But, but if I post had like 200 links, I probably wouldn't have done that. 
Yeah, fair enough. It's, it, everything has its its own. You know, there's not a single truth with updating or deleting your content. It's, I know, it, but that's why it's interesting to talk about it because there's yeah. like, so, and a lot of people have a lot of text on this, and I feel like the industry hasn't decided exactly what's the best way to do this at this mm-hmm. point. So I think it's quite interesting to talk about this. I've talked about this with like Matt Diggity, like Team mm-hmm. Solo, like all the guys, etc. And yeah. pretty much everyone has a different answer, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> which is why, like, I see, I still think the industry is like searching itself on like how to do that. Like, I believe at this point, updating content that has some kind of traction has a way higher return than creating new content. Yes, updating content certainly brings a boost in search traffic. There's no denying yeah. that. But is it the boost that you want when you could spend that resource doing something else that gives you a, a boost that you do want? If, you it's, know, if you want the traffic. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, am I going to go re- renovate the Elance article for Upwork? No. Yeah, I'd much rather spend that time, you know, doing something that's relevant and you know and all i did at the top of the article said oh elance is now upwork like that was the update <laughs> i didn't update yeah. any of the screen i mean it, it, it sounds like you're gonna axe that part of your website you probably, probably you're probably you're mentally yeah. done with it already yeah say. well it's you know i love experimenting the the seo blog is my experiment playground you know i build test sites i do experiments and the blog is usually the first live place i'd deploy an experiment before going and putting it anywhere else it's amazing how much you guys miss by the way anyone that reads my blog <laughs> um, following your a b test on pop-ups at some point like i think a few years ago you were like quite intense on like uh, a b testing your opt-in pop-ups okay so so current learnings there if you're using any wordpress plugin to power your pop-ups you are suffering from significant losses in site speed page size and as such performing more poorly in in the rankings for example if you're using uh, thrive leads right now that is so heavy it's unbelievably heavy <laughs> and i changed it for opt-in monster we, like, we did that too a month ago and yeah. page size went from like 1.6 meg to 700k it's not just that but like and, the computing and, that it needs to do for like uh, the yeah. a b testing and everything it's like it's a lot actually for yourself yeah. Yeah, if you're and, like on cheap hosting, it's bad, you know. It has it like logs all of the leads and the data. The table just for that was like two gig. Did um, you try to open that lead report? Like when you have a lot of leads, it literally takes like just, an hour to load those. Yeah, you can't. You just <laughs> die. So, I've done a lot of testing there, not just from a conversion part. And, and by the way, moving from Thrive Architect to Optin Mon, not Thrive Leads to Optin Monster, tripled my conversions across the board. And literally, all I did was replicate every campaign I had in Thrive Leads, replicated in Optin Monster, and I just used Optin Monster's design template. Same words, same images, just their templates. Boom, like cut load time in half, cut page size in half, cut requests in half, like insane insane change you know so i'm always testing i'm always doing things i'm always moving forward i've never stood still with 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 anything that's why i have opportunities like this work section where i'm like well it's not working very well what can we do what can we try what and it's a great learning tool you know to to just what's the old phrase you know just throw shit at the wall and see what sticks and uh, I'm very much doing that with the work section right now. <laughs> I like doing that too. Like we do that as well on our site, etc. Like I, this stuff that I like on larger sites, I wouldn't do, but like I'm not telling you how come just like I'll try it or whatever and see what happens. And usually you yeah. learn a lot from that. But yeah. people like checking it out as well. I was testing the click through rate. Like, yeah, I'd say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting yeah. people to Google and click and everything. It works, but it doesn't yeah. stick basically. Yeah. Uh, that's what yeah. we found. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a popularity thing. A, a few years ago, what used to happen is if a URL was tweeted about a lot, 
with the rankings would increase with the velocity of the tweets and as a, the velocity of the tweets died, so did the rankings. Um, I yeah, think there's yeah. a few signals like that within the algorithm. So uh, uh, that's what you see in there. It's quite interesting. Like, uh, you know, people can definitely game that around the holiday seasons or Black Friday or stuff like that. I can't imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, and, and, how and, strong and, and, that can be, actually. And the way to maintain that is, you know, the reason that happened is the click-free rate went up and up and up because you'd artificially yeah, exactly. you know, told people to search and click. But once people stopped searching and clicking, someone was else was winning the click-free rate battle. And that's that's what killed you. I tend to find actually, if you break the top three and you don't win the click-through rate battle, you just drop to page two and you go to the bottom. And, and yeah, did you, did you test a lot of the title tags A/B testing? Like I've, I've played with it. I hated it actually. Uh, I hated so, it because it's just not accurate. Like because the whole sub changes all the time, so you can't really yes. attribute your win to what you did or what everyone else is doing and how it's. Changing. Yeah. So. Actually, ironically, the only testing that I like for headlines is Thrive Headline Optimizer. Oh, wow. We go from like a non-recommendation to... (laughs) And the reason I like it, it does add bloat. It does add bloat. But the reason I like it is it measures the engagement on your site. It doesn't look to Google's external search results. Yeah. it's, It's not changing it for Google. It's just changing it for the user. And you can kind of decide, you know, what defines engagement, like if the person scrolled or, 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 or time on page and everything like that. So I did title testing with the humans in mind, like which titles make people stick. And it's amazing what kind of spread that had. Like you're essentially testing a headline, right? Yeah, on a yeah. landing page. Essentially, that's what you're doing. So we know that that's impactful and it had great benefits. However, in a quest for site speed, it didn't survive the chop. <laughs> no, no. I was going to say, do you still do that now? Like, do you, no. do you still do these A-B tests now? No, no but the, one of the reasons I don't do it is because I was doing it for like two years. Every post had three titles and I've digested all of that learning now. Yeah, now you know I, what I, to I feel like I don't really need to like, you know. I have a better feeling for it. So it just wasn't worth the, the trade-off in, in site speed, user experience, and... and the By knowledge. the way, talking about site speed, actually, like, honestly, like, I, I just got bored of, like, trying a million things and, like, I would tweak my site and I would just lose my site speed again, etc. It's a pain, <laughs> yes. And I found a service that, like, does a pretty good job so far. It's like, it's, I haven't been using it long enough to give it a hard recommendation, so I'm mm-hmm. going to give it a few more months. But nitropack.io basically mm-hmm. acts like a CDN, but it basically, it takes care of all the site speed optimization for you. It's made for that. So it like rewrites your site to optimize the time to first byte and all of that to like just okay, that's cool. Yeah, out. it takes care of everything. And honestly, for us, it's been like we used to be very slow on Notoriaka actually, and you can mm-hmm. check it's running on it now actually. So you can check it on, but you can check our site speed. And now when I run, you know, like, for example, I was checking on Surfer, we're always the slowest or whatever. It was mm-hmm. And now we're always, like, competing with the top two or three easily uh, yeah, without having yeah. done anything else, actually. So that's yeah. worked pretty well for us. Again, I'm not giving you the hard recommendation because I want, like, for these things that serve your files, I want the <laughs> test of time. Of because course, you of know course, how these yeah. things can go down, etc. <laughs> I've bored it away. Yeah. <laughs> so to anyone listening... Test out your own risks for us. It's working. Look, right. to anyone listening, the best thing that you can do right now is go load up GT Metrics, bash in your website. If it's loading more than three seconds, you've got work to do. Real, real simple. Go spend a bit of money. Go buy WP Rocket. Install it. In one click, you'll solve 90% of your problems. Then if you want to spend a little bit more money, go, go and drop a CDN, decent one, not Cloudflare. And that will take care of 
you know, most site speed issues unless it's weighed down with plugins like Thrively. I had all of that. Uh, <laughs> it was still slow, actually. I mean, really? Like with, yeah, and the thing is, like, even with like running a post on Elementor, etc., that we get like really fast site speed using. Uh, oh, okay. Like, even using bloat because it rewrites the HTML, so it yeah, basically yeah. takes okay. the page and just like makes it like just like rewrites it basically. And okay. So, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna check it. So let's if, let's if, see if, how it goes. If my blog goes offline for any period of time, <laughs> it you might know be why. my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is not a hard recommendation. Try at your own risk. But like several people have tried it and have had done well. The only issue is if you're running ads because it's trying to optimize the ads. So you need to exclude the JavaScripts of the ad scripts that you're using because yep. otherwise it's going to be a fucking mess and it's going to lazy yep. load your ads. You're going to make less money, etc. Um, yeah, so be a bit careful of that. Um, but uh, like, uh, if you use things like Deadline Funnel as well, if you use things like that that like have JavaScript that needs to load before the page, then you need to be a little bit careful of that because it's gonna yeah. async all the JavaScript. Um, yeah, I'm just running a free test right now. <laughs> okay. But but the, the takeaway is, look, site speed is important. And if you're not paying attention to it, uh, you need to be. It's one of the things that's in your control. You know, in SEO, not everything's in our control. Site speed is. So if yeah. you're doing a bad job of site speed, you really need to get a grip <laughs> it's in your control I, I agree to a certain uh, extent i think my problem with that advice is that a lot of newbies that don't even have a business or a site yet are gonna spend days and days working on site speed and not building their website because it's like they're lazy yeah. to work on the content and they're just gonna be like oh i have two blog posts i'm gonna work on my site speed you know what i'm gonna get a etc it's like no you need like hundreds of pages you need like links in yeah your yeah of course there's a right time but most people who've got a site that's there and it's, it's when i review when anyone says oh my site's not ranking the first thing i check site speed very very often people haven't taken care of that because there's so many things to take care of it's a pain in the ass as well um, usually so yeah it is a pain a, in the ass it's a complete pain in the ass <laughs> it's like you, you optimize but then you like add a plugin or you do something etc and then your site goes back to shit and it's, a, it's yeah kind of a and, and there are sites that book the trend of site speed you know there are sites out there actually Backlinko being a great example, where often their pages are 20, 25, oh, yeah, 30 megabytes possibly. with 20 second load times, but it's such an authoritative site in terms of its link profile that that it becomes less of, of a less of an indication to, to quality in Google. But if you're just an affiliate site like the average Joe, that's yeah, going to be yeah. a, a much stronger weight than than someone like Brian Dean or or maybe even my, myself or, or or you might 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 face. So, but it's in your control, and you can usually fix most things with WP Rocket and a CDN, and maybe some image optimization. Use Short Pixel. Yeah, Short Pixel is okay actually. Like you get yeah. like quite a few optimizations for free, and they run an AppSumo regularly as well. Yeah. Like it's, uh, yeah. it's usually what you yeah. should go for. I wanted to talk to you about doing in-depth product reviews because you've mentioned that you do that on your other sites. You said you do these Amazon sites and you do that on Matthew Woodward as well. We have done quite a few of them. I really like the hosting one that you've done recently, trying to find the fastest hosting one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've, I've followed the drama that came with the backlink checker one this uh, last yeah, year. Yeah, that well, was a nightmare. Was, Let's talk, we can talk about that. Actually. That was a and nightmare. that's exactly what I want to talk about. Excellent. Um, okay. So we've done one on like fastest WordPress team recently. Like, and um, uh, same thing. I'm not going to quote any names but like very often product owners that are very involved with their product if they're not number one you face a lot of backslash when you don't rank them number one etc yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and so i wanted to talk about first of all how do you do build tests that feel fair to the you to the product owners and how do you deal with maybe that 
passion that they might have for your results because <laughs> uh, because it might not be what they expected or something, you know? Okay, so first building the test. The test really is dependent on what you're testing. Um, mm. You need to look what there is to test and why you're testing it. In the fastest WordPress hosting, one of the negative piece of feedback the Cloudways team sent me was that, hey, you just used our $10 DigitalOcean like cheap droplet. Why didn't you build it on the Google Optimize thing? Which would have put them on the same infrastructure as Kinsta. They were saying that would have yeah, provided yeah. a fairer test. The reason I didn't do that was because if you look at any WordPress hosting group, blogging group, forum, or anything else, People one of the, the most strongly thing. recommended services is that. It's one of the strongly most, like, that. it's overwhelming how many people recommend that setup with Cloudways as the fastest solution. It's faster than ever. So that's why it was tested. So you got to look at things you know, really through a microscope and decide what you're testing, how you're testing it. It's very easy to put your foot wrong. I do put my foot wrong. Um, I'm probably always going to put my foot wrong because, uh, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's how hard. it is. Yeah, yeah, well, you can never please everyone. You can't. You just can't. It's impossible. So fastest WordPress hosting, of course, was a test that was built on, I did it last year. Mm -hmm. And all of that was really you know, a few years ago, maybe five years ago, there was a big drama with WP Engine and I had lots of problems with them. And, and actually since then, they've, they're always talking shit at conferences. They keep inventing, inviting my friends to private dinners and, you know, like five years on, they're still talking about it, you know, I'm like, yeah. uh, and, and then, um, they didn't perform well in, in the 2018 test. Then in 2019, they announced, oh, we're now 40% faster than everyone else. We've got this new Google C2 platform. We're better than everyone. And they made it sound like it was available to everyone. But when you tried to buy it, it was like Sorry, really hard to buy bucks. and like 600 bucks a month. And I can't tell you the amount of hoops I had to jump through to get, get to that point, like sales calls and like the really like, protective over it at the same time kinster just announced hey we're just going to give everyone to the, that for free starting for 29 dollars a month now it's global in fact we've already rolled it all out to all of our customer base so like WP Engine, kinster, but i didn't know actually great yeah 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 yeah, yeah exactly right and wp engine celebrated it like they were leaders of some kind of grand new technology and yeah no this that and the other. and we're 40% faster than anyone else in wordpress they said like yeah like you should so, make that kind of claims yeah 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 i'm like oh really well huh i ran a wordpress test last year let's let's run it again this year and let's see what happens they actually haven't been in touch with me on, on that post last year they caught my testing sites before i did the testing and sent mm -hmm. me an email and i didn't reply until after the testing was done and i sent them the results and and they didn't reply <laughs> so how do you how do you deal with that and um, do you do you ever get have you ever gotten close to like legal trouble or something like that because it does happen i mean there's a lot of stories in like the mattress industry for example with like the guy that literally lost his site to like the casper like the casper mattress company i don't know if you know about that story. yeah yeah but the the mattresses are often it's an objective opinion right yeah yeah i'm not publishing an opinion i'm publishing data from testing and not yeah, only yeah, that, yeah. here are the test sites so if you don't believe my data here's the urls Go run that yourself, you know? That's costing thousands of dollars a month to leave running. 
and I'll leave it running. Yeah, yeah. It, it probably actually means that that post will end up net zero in, in, in probability. So how far but, did someone come to like, like trying to like threaten you for changing the results or like not being very happy with that? Like, like how, far, how far does that go in terms of tension with people who disagree with results? Because we, we're facing I mean, we face some of that backslash, but I think you face more actually. Yeah, okay. So let's talk. There's a couple of best backlink checkers. The, the history of that was Ahrefs versus Majestic, right? Yep. Actually, before that, I'd done a case study of five tools. I think it was Majestic Mars, SEO Spyglass, and like five tools and three sites, around three sites for each of the five tools to see which was the best backlink checker, right? Mm-hmm. Moz came second. Majestic came second. Ahrefs was first, and SEO PowerSuite came last. Dixon Jones from Majestic absolutely lost his nut and made it personal and started throwing around all these insults and everything else. And not just on, on Majestic, but through a few other publicly known figures, they, they started a little bit of a slander case against me for those results. And then they published their own case study, which showed Majestic winning and, and, and all the rest mm-hmm. of it. So I was like, well, put me in a really difficult position now because this was a data. It wasn't my opinion. And he was saying I was biased and everything else. But what, they, what he hadn't taken into account was SEO PowerSuite the month before had literally given me $5,000 worth of product to give away. It was really awkward. And I published the results of that case study and they were last. Yeah. You know, they're like, they're, they're like a pot, but the data is a data. Like, it's not my opinion. And I sent him an email saying, look, I'm, I'm sorry, but it is what it is. Like, and they accepted that. It's fine. Don't worry. You know, that's just how it is. We're, actually we're, nice. We're and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really nice. They're really so, nice. To, to speak with so you know that they had that approach despite it tarnishing our business relationship but majestic had a different um way of dealing with it so that put me in a position where i was like well you've pushed me into a corner here you, you're attacking me you, you, you personally as well not like like i just published data i didn't say oh majestic's a piece of shit or, you know i didn't this is just the data and he came second and it was a close second it wasn't even like, no, bad, yeah. like, like you know so i was like well okay i gotta defend myself here how can i how how can i do that i was like well i bet i can design a test to do that so i was like right you saying i'm biased let's make it as unbiased as possible i'm going to use majestic's data set and Majestic's testing methodology against Ahrefs. That way, you can't call me out on this is bull- that uh, like because I'm it, it, it's what you said. I'm using your own <laughs> testing, yeah, yeah, your own data to test you against the competitors. No, I'm not leaving any wiggle room this time, because when I originally wrote the first post, I wasn't intending to cause a, a commotion. But then I'm like, right, well, let's run the data. You're like, you're saying that this is wrong, this is wrong, that's corrupt. Let's run the data and see what happens. And it turned out that when we ran the data, Ahrefs spanked them left, right, and center when we did the million domain test. So that didn't get a, a good re- reception from Majestic. But how do you deal with it? Like, how do you, like, is there a way, a, a, a method to deal with, like, unhappy product owners when you give a bad review? I'm just honest with people, you know. I, I, I'm just straight. I, I think as we spoke today, you see, I'm, I, I'm like, it is what it is. Like, if your product didn't perform, it's because you've got some work to do. It's, it's not like, it's not my fault. In fact, I, I've helped you. I've given you a benchmark in your business that you didn't have previously that now allows you to, to, to see, okay, well, why weren't we performing in that area? Maybe you didn't know that was a problem before. I'm very open with, with how I discuss things and people are, are, are not. But if you're going to attack me personally, then okay, well, if you put me in a position I've got to defend myself, I'm going to defend myself, but I'm going to do it with data. I come from the point of view that if people want to still do affiliate reviews, they're going to have to 
kind of like adopt that style in the future to get the people behind them and the engagement behind reviews, which like yes. blend reviews don't get. Uh, like yeah, you've got I mean, a lot of there, engagement. There is, I'm not going to tell you the company, but there is a piece of content on my blog right now that I've been offered $50,000 to delete. <laughs> okay. Is that WP Engine? <laughs> I'm not gonna, I can't confirm who it all is, right, but there's a right. piece of content on my blog that I denied about three years ago. They, they offered, and I said no. <laughs> it generates engagement when you do that kind of stuff. And I think that's the way to create. Well, I never published that. Actually, it says the first time I spoke about it publicly. It was, it was well, done in back like like a, a conference. That, that should be the, the, the snippet before the podcast or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the recent best link checker, I declared Seven Rush as a winner. You know, I went out on my shield with that. That data had been verified by Ahrefs team. It had been verified by SEMrush's team. It had been verified by my team. It got through so many checks that it's beyond embarrassing that it, that, that it got to where it is, like, unbelievably. And if it wasn't for Russell Jones over at Moz, they'd have got away with it. <laughs> yeah. It's... And the way Russell Jones found it was, like, really out-of-the-box thinking because the numbers that SEMrush provided matched the numbers in the dashboard when you were checking them. What was the problem so, exactly so that people know? It was, let's say... Okay, because of load balancing and because of CDNs and things, sometimes if you were access authority hacker, it might be served from one IP. But if I access it from Singapore, it might get accessed by a different IP. Okay. Yep. Every backlink checker on the planet assigns one domain to one IP. All of them I do see. that, except for SEMrush. Okay. SEMrush will, if they've seen this domain has 100 different IPs in the last six months... Say it says that it's got 100 IPs in its mm -hmm. backlink database, which isn't true. Yep. It just isn't true. And that's not how Google views it. It's not well, how so Google it's... views it. It's not how, and it's not how Common Sense uses it either. Uh, but the way they counted the data was radically different to anyone else. And that only became apparent once Russ went into some like, real detail with it. And he was like, no, this, this, this is wrong. When I went to, and, and bear in mind, right, before putting these tests together, people might just think I'd just throw them together willy-nilly. No, I had conversations with every single company in that test before. This is my intention. This is what I'm going to test. This is how I'm going to test it. Here's when I've done it before for Ahrefs versus Majestic. I'm going to repeat exactly that, but with five tools. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in Semrush's case, I had a call, an hour-long call with three members of their team discussing the test. I think that's the way you try to avoid drama, right? It's like telling them before and essentially letting them know. Uh, yeah, but, but despite all of that, look at how it blew up in my face. Yeah, it was crazy. Basically, yeah. It's like in the end, Hrefs won by quite a large margin, right? Yeah, but, but I declared Semrush won by quite a lot. Yeah, I followed it. It took you like three weeks to fix that or something. I imagine it was the, like the, the reason it took three weeks to fix it is originally when I went to Semrush and we found the mistake, they didn't want to provide updated data. I, <laughs> that shows you uh, something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they said, oh, to do that, because they count data differently, which they do. If you go and dig into it, they do count the data differently. They do. I'm not saying that they knowingly cheated. Yeah, yeah, they but, just have a different way of doing it. Which but is, they yeah, have a different way of counting it, but explaining your different way of counting it would have been a very important point to make in the conversation that we had about counting data, and they didn't. 
so when they had to then redo the data it wasn't just like they had to click export and generate a report they had to actually build scripts that that take all you know if they've got a domain with 100 ip records they need to consolidate that and and, and it took time to be honest they should take that opportunity to fix the tool no uh well yeah (laughs) arguably but it does allow them to say they have large ip databases yeah fair enough it's uh so you know and and if you look at any of their marketing posts and thing they they like celebrating that we did one on the cure difficulty and we didn't get very good feedback from them so yeah 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 (laughs) and you know when when they didn't want to provide the updated data i was very direct and threatening and like you know look you are going to provide the updated data otherwise you cheated and everyone it looks like you cheated and the oh, fact that you're now running away from it when a problem is being is is exactly what a cheater would do so you're either going to bring me the provide updated data or i'm going to publish what do you want <laughs> and, and it's, the data it's quite quick. crazy the proportions these kind of like in-depth review take and it's really just not just in online marketing for many things it goes to that level when a comparison review gets a degree of exposure and people pay attention to it. Like yeah. product owners yeah. become extremely yeah. defensive. My question to you, after going through all this trouble multiple times, etc., is <laughs> uh, do you think it's worth it? Do you think as a business model, going for like the high attention thing versus going for the half-fast roundup <laughs> preview that will rank anyway, uh, you, could, you could probably rank anyway and you probably might make the same amount per visitor provided you rank. Like, is it worth it? I mean, it depends how much money you want to spend on link building. <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends. Um, look, like, my, you know, you're speaking to me like MatthewWoodward.co.uk has a business model. It, I, I'm it asking really for like people who are interested in doing this as well. Like, the idea is like, if someone's listening to this podcast... And he's considering doing these kind of like more controversial, like real yeah. field tested reviews, et cetera. Is it something that makes sense from a business point of view? Or should people just like do the old school way, just make a list of 10 products, best backlink checker, blah, 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 HF, Substat, uh, SEMrush, blah, 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 click here to get a free I, trial. I, I think, I think what go, you're yeah. discussing there is a difference between an SEO yeah. and a marketer. But my question is, what makes the most financial sense today? I mean, it absolutely depends. Like, again, there's not a single truth. It depends. Controversial content can work, but it can also backfire. You know, the best backlink checkers post is a great example of that because I pushed SEMrush as a new king of backlink checkers. I use those words. And three weeks later, I was not using those words. <laughs> you know, and I was greatly embarrassed. And uh, yeah, I, sp- I spoke to Tim many times before the test on and and, and it, it it was terrible. He was cool with it, it actually. Like, I remember I, I talked to him, actually. I think when the post came out, like, uh, we we're on Slack, it with each other, so we just talk. And it's just like, uh, and uh, he was actually cool with it. I, I could feel Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, been, I'd been in constant contact with him. They had the data before I published. Everyone had the data before I published. Everyone had a chance to review it. And the way I went about fixing that was I was like, okay, like, I looked at all the engagement, all the posts I had across everywhere, and, and I totaled it up like 300,000 people have seen it. So to correct that, what I did is I published the update, um, full transparency. This is what happened. This is the new results, you know. And then I put enough money into it until nearly a million people had seen the corrected content. I see. My own so cost. you did uh, advertising, right? You did Facebook ads or something? Yeah, yeah. I, I lost probably around $15,000 on that post. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a, honestly, that's a fair way of making it right to the companies. 
Um, yeah, and, and it, it was my mistake, and I own it, you know. But that, that's one of the risks of going controversial. And even exactly. though, even though I went to the lengths of speaking with every company, explaining the, the, the tests, like getting all the data off them, verifying the data, sending all the data to them, each company verifying each other's company's data, my own team, despite all of that, look yeah. at how it turned out. And I mean, we get that kind of stuff all the time too. Like we like, there's like 10 people involved. It passes from hand to hand and it's like, everyone's looking at their own thing. And then eventually you end up like not seeing the big picture or something. It, it, it happens. Like it happens yeah. to us as well. It's like, it's, yeah. it's fair. It's like yeah. people who have not done this probably don't understand how much work this is, but it's like so much. Oh, yeah. It's insane. <laughs> that, that, that post probably took six months to do and despite doing all of that you know what moz said the day the day they provided the data they're like oh yeah but we don't actually count that in the database so we're only going to be provided estimated data <laughs> i'm like but why didn't you tell me that before yes. <laughs> that's the, uh, and they asked to be included so i'm yeah. like <laughs> you know? that's the hard part because you're not comparing uh, apples to apples or oranges to oranges no, everyone's kind of no, like doing not. their own thing and then you, it's like that's why this designing the test itself is like a huge pain in the ass yeah i remember yeah. when we tested the uh, email marketing tools we actually took one of our biggest email lists and like split it in like we we found people who opened in like two weeks three weeks etc made segments of that and split it in six different tools so that we would email the same email at the same time from each tool to actually see which one gets the most open rate etc and even yeah. that to be frank is not 100 percent accurate it's just the best we could come up with yeah i can imagine i can only imagine the pain that you went through absolute nightmare but controversial content has its place you know doing those kind of tests in in tools not many people go to those lengths it attracts me i i imagine if i did this in in a bit of a broader niche that wasn't seo or digital marketing it's the kind of thing that ends up with big boy media yes. links like bbc and, and, and like that um in this niche uh not so it doesn't attract that kind of attention but in some niches it can work really 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 well um i think in personal finance for example i'm thinking like all these uh, online banks etc like testing like the actual fees or something like that like doing some real the same transfer yep. from multiple uh -huh. banks, like, yeah I can yeah imagine this, people this. Do really well with these things yeah 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 you, you know and there's probably great room for a, a site in a payday loan niche that does that well and responsibly and ethically and, and everything else you know everyone else is looking for that quick win and and, and missing out so you know you something controversial hard niches I think it's a tool that you should have in your toolbox that you shouldn't be afraid to use. And if you're going to use it, you better make sure you got your shit nailed down. Do not throw opinion in there. Don't throw personal anything in there. And just comment on the data. Be neutral in your commentary. If someone does attack you personally, then let them have it. Like, you know, <laughs> you want to fight or I will fight. Um, <laughs> but most people, if you present your findings respectfully, you'll, you'll get a respectful response. Okay, it's like that. I wanted to talk about video, but I think I'm going to mix it together with the wrap up of this podcast, which is your focus for 2020. I know you okay. went on YouTube quite a bit last year, you, you invested more in video, etc. I wanted to know what you've learned from that one year journey. We're actually getting into video. As you can see, I have a proper camera and everything now, finally. And I'm personally curious, but I also think I also think a lot of people are looking at video now as a way to diversify. I feel like YouTube is a really easy place to like gain visibility these days compared to like Google, which is like much more mm -hmm. mature. Uh, so what did you learn from these? Uh, you know, how do you go about it? 2020, you're going to see less video from me. <laughs> okay. Well, you see more from us, less from you, right? <laughs> Look, setting up and doing video right, as you know, is a lot of investment in time and energy. There's a lot of things you need to learn. You need yep. to learn about 
audio you need to learn i don't if you can see on the camera behind me you need yeah, to learn yeah. about soundproofing you need to learn well. about lighting you need to learn about so many things to, to to do it right then you've got script writing then you've got feeling comfortable in front of a camera then you've got the cost of an editor animation there's there's a lot a lot of things that go into do when you're just watching a video just watching a video you're like Woo, you know it's you don't it's, realize it's, yeah but, but video production is a, a hard work. Like it's a lot of time and commitment, and and doing it continually mm-hmm. is 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 really hard. I have a very specific process in how we do things. I usually record videos in batch between six and eight at a time. It's all managed in a Trello board. I put the script. My editor put. I put ideas on for animations. The editor puts idea for animations. Then I record it. Then I give it to him, and he does the first edit and then feedback, and, and we just go through that. Even with having that kind of support, like a full-time video editor, it's still very, 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 very involved. Yep. Um, to do it, not, to do it well, to do it really well. Maybe I went a bit overboard on that. <laughs> um, but. A lot of the videos I created last year were in response to releasing the SEO portal, which I really wanted to be a static resource of SEO. You can learn from the basics, what is SEO, all the way through to link building, and each one to have a video where necessary. A lot of my video production was focused on filling that out. So it didn't, a lot of the videos didn't It wasn't have, for engagement directly on YouTube. No, was. no, it wasn't, you know, it's not like... You know, I can't send an email to my list going, hey, what is SEO? You know, and, and, yeah. and, and, and send them the video. And, you know, even though the video is excellent and it costs a bunch of money to produce, and blah, 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 it's, it's part of that content Support pillar. That I content, need basically. Yeah. 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 But done at a, 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 on a high, high quality scale. So yeah. I didn't see the response I would have liked to have seen from the amount of time and effort and, the, see. and money that was invested into getting getting there the ones that have had success ironically were the faq rich snippets which i didn't use my video editor for nor my video studio it was just a screen capture uh, <laughs> that's you're like why am i spending so much time on this the the fastest wordpress hosting has become popular because of it yeah i saw this one did well actually contra- like contra- controversy so if you're just doing video for seo purposes hmm. don't waste your time or your money you've really got to make sure that the video closely aligns to your business goal to see that it's worthwhile. And maybe my, maybe my readers feel differently. I don't feel like the effort I put into producing the videos for the SEO portal was worth it. Okay. I just don't, I've not seen the jumping subscribers. All right. They've got a you know, thousand views, 2000, like, but it, yeah, it wasn't really right worth it. But where it is worth it is if you were going to do something groundbreaking, something new, introduce a new test, a concept, a case study, new data, something like that, and you can make it exciting and engaging, that's where, where you'll have success with video. And it's for that reason you'll see less videos from me this year because you can't, just, you can't keep that you on, less on a, a cycle of high quality. quality. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think that makes um, sense. And you might have seen that in the fastest WordPress hosting video. It was much better edit, much better animations, much better all around. It is leaps and bounds above the others. And, and that's part of why it worked. that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, less, less, less of that in 2020, but more using video the right way rather than using it as a, an extension of the post. I see what you mean. Uh, yeah. It's like, yeah, for us, actually, it's quite interesting because as I said earlier, we do paid traffic as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, to scale Facebook ads now, you need videos. Yes. Absolutely yes. need videos. Yeah. 
you need to advertise videos to like lookalike audiences of relevant audiences yeah. Yeah. and then people who engage with the videos we target them with like sales yeah yeah and then hit them yeah <laughs> yeah and it's like basically combining these two together but i think yeah i think for the case where you're just mostly using it for seo and just like embellishing blog posts basically mm-hmm. Then, then it might be a bit limited unless you manage to rank for good keywords on YouTube, I guess. Like you might have a few that like manage to rank for good keywords or something. Yeah, the traffic's not always there though from YouTube and typing searches. I see. Okay, fair enough. Like, and then th- I think probably it, it's, yeah, you got to use video at the higher end of things. Probably I'm going to use it more if I do a paid course, that would be all video. But for, for general posts and learning and things like that, unless it's anything spectacular or new or pivotal or something like that, I think that's that's the only place I'll use video moving forward. Yeah. Interesting. That's yeah. actually good learnings. <laughs> that is the first part of your plan for 2020. Anything else we can expect from you apart from the tool for niche edits that you mentioned? You said you mentioned there might be other tools and then we talked about video. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean I'm mostly playing i got sites growing mm-hmm. managing a team behind that uh, we're fairly stable stable in that we can produce a new site in about six weeks right now that's very uh, good and, and, and all the link building gets taken care of um, with Pitchbox. We, we've got some great processes in place all of that kind of takes care of itself for the most part um, the only part i do in site building is keyword research idea generating the idea for the niche that's the most fun part as well yeah because you get to flesh it out and and again you learn about the different types of people in the niche different problems or so and and then that keyword research becomes a part of that overall process so i do all of that bit. we touched earlier you know diggity said that he, he was Not stepping away from writing for keywords and, and writing more for people and, and i suffered from that in in the seo well so I, i'm going to go back to the basics of helping people there's lots of experiments i did last year i didn't publish the results of that i was holding back things like uh, i was going to present it at chiang mai seo and i was going to share the idea and, and what i had been doing but i've actually got a, a phd in search engine optimization i, I actually got a doctorate in, in seo and all does of my exist? it does now all of my um avatars and, and sites i'm building i i'm you know i'm building like real people with qualifications and okay. things yeah I, you know so I, we've been playing a lot with that i'll continue to to play with that this year knowledge graph has proven particularly fruitful I'll, oh yeah I'll i saw probably... that you got like verified at something i saw on facebook like you said you were verified or something yeah yeah because i've i've been playing with inserting things into the knowledge graph for a while and now i, I feel like i've got a relatively simplified process of doing it and making it stick which has been the the very tricky part so i'm going to do a couple of experiments with a couple of people in our industry who don't currently have knowledge panels i'm going to give them the gift of knowledge panel and then share the process of how i did that and so content like that you know like if i did yeah, keyword research on that it'd be like a hundred searches a month you know <laughs> wouldn't ever create the content but as you can probably tell if i publish something like that it's going to get a lot of attention you know so moving moving more to to actually publishing a lot of the stuff that i'm playing with that's cool Um, i'm looking forward to it actually yeah and you know matt invited me to speak at at chiang mai seo because it went really badly this year and at the moment i've said no because it doesn't fit into that ethos like when you're standing on a stage you're just talking at people you're you're just talking at them it's a one-way conversation 
Like, I'd much rather sit down over a couple of days and help 20 to 30 people meaningfully. Like, sit down one-on-one, show me your site, what's your problems. Like, I'd rather sit there for two days and do that than do a a 45-minute presentation, you know? Is that why you didn't come to Chiang Mai? No, no. (laughs) You're like, no. (laughs) You know what? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's part of like kind of the the as I've come uh-huh. to the end of the year and I'm looking and 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 I actually I've asked a number of conferences if I can do that and mm-hmm. no one's no one's ever took the bait. Ad Strive, Ad Strive does it actually. You should talk to. Ad oh really? Yeah. Yeah. They do, okay. They do yeah. workshops, etc. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, affiliate world denied me, affiliate stomach denied me, and everyone else asked. I've asked. You know, I, I, I like to be in the trenches. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. It's more fun. I mean, it's like uh, I spoke at Chiang SEO. I tried to make it as actionable as possible. It was like data study, then followed by a live case study, basically like, oh, how yeah. you. Yeah, and, and if you've uh, got an idea of what I should do with my slides for Chiang Mai, because I got a full case study prepared, I spent like a bunch of time getting free, it. All. Just make a Facebook Live. Just make a Facebook Live, uh, yeah, and then and then advertise your Facebook Live replay to people who visited your blog. Yeah, in the last yeah, 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 days. yeah. It's like it works yeah. really well. I mean, Tony Robbins does that basically. He does uh, he does Facebook Lives, and then he advertises to his followers, and that drives crazy engagement. Uh, yeah, I missed it because on the Sunday before, uh-huh. I had heat stroke in the garden. Oh, okay. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know it was heat stroke, but I, I, I'd i been working and all of a sudden, faint, weak, hot, <laughs> like okay. just just hot, 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 hot. And um, I was so desperate for cold water that, but I couldn't breathe. I couldn't, <laughs> I'm like getting more hot. I'm like, Fuck, just need this water. Come on. Like, <laughs> and it, I, I it, can't relate. It's minus five degrees here. Like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it, it was terrible. So all of the Sunday I was energyless. The Monday I was kind of recovering. And by the Monday night I felt good. I had the first flight, like four in the morning, Tuesday. Uh-huh. I was like 95% took the first flight, got to Houston. I had like an eight hour layover in Houston sat in a lounge and things were just going downhill like hot cold sweats both ends just just things started hurting like joints started hurting it was it was pretty rough but i was like well screw it like the next flight's to amsterdam 10 hours i got a bed Let's see. Exactly. It was it was overnight. So you're gonna do I'm Houston, like, Amsterdam, Amsterdam, Chiang Mai. Oh, like yeah. Bangkok, Bangkok, Chiang Mai. Oh, you know, I was right at the start of the journey. And in Houston, I could have just gone home, and and it been a three-hour flight, and I've been at home in my own bed, and everything would have been great. But I decided to push forward. I went to Amsterdam. I got to Am- when I got off the flight in Amsterdam, I couldn't even get my my hand luggage from the the top. Oh, yeah, yeah. I asked someone to help me because it hurt that I just didn't have the physical strength to do it. So I, I crawled my ass to KLM desk. I asked them what, what we could do. I, I called Diggity. I, I was like, you know, what can you <laughs> say in, in, in that moment, you know? He suggested, well, just have a night in Amsterdam, see how you feel in the morning. I did that. I spoke with KLM. Um, they said, look, you, you can in the morning let us know either we're going to book you on the, the night flight to Bangkok the next day or we're going to book you on the flight home the next day. Just come and tell us what you want to do in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did that. What I hadn't planned for in Amsterdam was, look, it's 35 Celsius where I live. In Bangkok, Chiang Mai, it's 30 Celsius. I was not planning a night in two degree weather in Amsterdam when I was already like yep. dying. <laughs> Welcome back to um, Europe. Yeah, you know, so I'm like on the train. Like, I, I couldn't even pull, like pulling my bag was uh, 
So in the end, I just called it. I was like, I feel like at Fair this enough. point, I've done everything I can do to to make it happen. And yeah, I, I have to call it. I have to call it. The great irony, of course, was that the day before my talk, I started feeling better. And I was like, oh, damn it, if I just went and just sat in my room and hated life for a week, I'd have been able to do it. It's but hard to tell, it, though. It, it, yeah, yeah, you don't know. And, um, you know, once I got home, it got worse before it got better. So, so fair yeah, enough. It, it, I mean, it's it, like, it, yeah. I, I, li- I literally spent $10,000 to do a circle and I hate my life. Nice. That's, <laughs> that's, that's not the best too, yeah. That was my Sorry, first that, that's, that's a good enough excuse. I'll stamp it with like uh, approved, you know. Uh, <laughs> anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about in this podcast because we're going to slowly wrap things up. I see a lot of sites. I see a lot of people asking questions. I see uh, as, as do yourself. And we've talked about it through throughout the podcast. SEO is becoming less about SEO and more about marketing and sales. It's more about building a business. If you're building niche sites right now, you've got to step away from the fact that you're building a niche site. You've got to be building a business. It changes the outcome of every question that you ask yourself completely. From the way that you you structure it, from writing processes to you know, having marketing, having sales, having all of the a proper business plan, you know? Because that's when you launch a niche site, that's what you are doing. You are launching a business and you must treat it like that. People aren't treating it like that. And I, I think that is a big mistake that many, many people make. So that's really my, my parting advice. If you're building an Amazon site and you're just sending people to Amazon and you don't offer any value over and above people going to Amazon and reading verified reviews from people that you know have actually bought the product, if your site doesn't offer any value over and above that, you really need to think about what you're doing um, because you're not building a business. You're not building anything long-term. You're not building anything that's going to survive. You might have a couple of good years, a good year or, or, or whatever, but you've not built a business. And I think that's going to be the difference between people that really succeed and really s- struggle in the next years. I mean, just look at the search results right now. You know, you're saying yourself that the review world is, is dominated by big companies. And even if you think it's a big diff, different companies competing, they're owned by the same company, you know, like, like quite often the top three results, different sites, but they're all owned by the same company. We're seeing much less like niche sites appearing in these results. You there do is, see them. But like not for the B2C. You see them. B2C. Yeah, you do see them, but you don't see them like you did five years ago. Not as much. And that's an indication of the direction Google's going and not only that, but how business is going. People are taking the web more seriously now. They're investing into creating content. If they can make something like Game of Thrones, imagine what they can do when they put the same talents and minds towards creating content for the web, you know? And that's that shift change in the world. That's the kind of things we're going to be competing against. You've got to start treating it like a business. You've got to build it like a business. And I think many people building authority sites haven't made that, that pivotal change. It's actually funny because Atari Hacker Pro is transitioning to focusing on that. It's like I'm doing one more SEO blueprint, like uh, yep. advanced SEO. Mm-hmm. And everything else I'm going to produce this year is focused on monetization and com- more complex monetization, yep. more than like effort stuff, etc. Uh, yep. It's like, you know, pushing people to actually build a list, pushing people to become direct response marketers, not just... Uh, yeah. Like, you know, being able to sell to people, not just yeah. passively selling through a review, but actually mm-hmm. selling something to someone through pitching them. Yeah. Um, and then after that, once you pick up that skill, it's like product development and these things. Everything else, yeah. Complexifying, et cetera. So I think it's fine to start with an affiliate site, but I think 
from the first day when you start, you need to have that vision of how far you can take this. Yes. So, and, and that plan on how you pass from one point to the other and mm -hmm. when you will do that as well. Because a lot of people know what they can do, but they, it's easier to write another review, you know? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they just kind of get stuck on that treadmill of doing it, which is, it's also like more money short term, which is why people go for that. Yes. Like yeah. if you already have writers, if you already have all of that in place, then like you can either give them more work or figure out a new business model. Well, a lot of people choose to just give more work to that. Yeah, just keep, just keep, 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 keep exactly. the cycle going, you know? Yeah. And like, you know, if you're building your affiliate site right now, the same way you were building it a year ago, a year and a half ago, you're already losing. You're already yeah. losing. That's channel. Um, like the, the search intent has like since these medical days, basically like a mm -hmm. year and a half, basically, I think the, the search intent has taken over like so massively. Before, like, That's great for affiliates because be before we had to hide our yeah. affiliate links a little bit in content. Like now for some careers, it's just they want affiliate search links. Yeah. Affiliate link, boom. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, you can do that. But you can also be less creative, which is a bit frustrating for me sometimes. So like, yes. and I'm sure you, you feel that on Matthew Woodward as well. You have some yep. content that just doesn't match what like the format that Google is expecting. It's much better, but it doesn't match what like the other nine pages yeah. do. And yeah. then you just get slammed because of that. And despite the fact that you're like, you know, it's better. And it's like, it's quite frustrating sometimes too. That's yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, that's, that's the game that we're playing, right? You, you never, <laughs> even if you do everything right, it doesn't always stick. And, all uh, right so i think we're gonna wrap it up here i think that's a good parting yeah. was like uh, even if you do things right it doesn't always take and i think that like uh, characterize the interview yeah. um so <laughs> so if people want to check you out they can go on matthewwoodworld.co.uk are you active on any social media if people want to do yeah facebook you'll find me floating around on, on a few groups and that subscribe to my youtube channel the the you'll hopefully love the videos because they're a pain to create. Um, <laughs> I'd love to send you to an opt-in or tell you to buy something, but I haven't got anything to sell you. So um, I think you have uh, opt-ins on your homepage, right? So if people go on your homepage. Yeah, but I, like, if you want it, you want it. I'm not going to tell you to go sign up. Like, go check out the blog if you like the content, sign up. If you don't, I, well, I haven't got anything to sell you. So. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, thank you for taking the time. That was a long interview, but I think that was quite interesting. And we got into like, areas that people don't necessarily talk a lot about etc yes yeah, yeah. so thanks for the time and uh, see you next time yeah see you soon bye bye